0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit IBM.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don
0: LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick fresh from the Generals' Managers' Meetings in Florida. Of course, you can see them on NHL Now on the NHL Network between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern time. How are you each?
1: I am good, John. Had a nice uh, several days down in Boca Raton with the uh, managers, and we had a couple of little things that came out of it, and uh, so uh, we moved
0: forward. I always wondered, why can't these General Managers' Meetings uh, board of Governors meetings. You want to get stuff done, right? Well, do it in, like, Des Moines. Do it where there's, like, nothing yeah. else to do but talk about what has to be done. Why does it have to be in, like, beautiful Florida where there's so many distractions? You know, go someplace in North Dakota. Get it done. Am I
1: wrong? Uh, I think you're probably off base on this one. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't think it makes a difference. Like, you know, they're in those – I'm there. I mean, they're in those meetings, and it's, like, uh, closed – in fact, the guys who go into those meetings and they're wearing jackets because, you know, and sweaters. Doug Armstrong had a sweater on the other day because it's cold in the meeting room, which is kind of like if you come out one door and walk about 100, 150 yards, you're in the ocean, literally, with nothing to stop you. Right. I mean, so... Um, and then you go the other way, you're back in the building. So, But it must be the AC must be cranked up pretty good in there. But they, they get in the meeting rooms. It's very well organized. Coley Campbell sets the agenda, and, you know, they go through the process. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if they had them. If they had them somewhere else, I, I agree. You know, it would be interesting if you have them in some, you know, kind of very small locale. Um, I think the meetings would be the same. I just think okay. that they enjoy having it down there. And I think the commissioner – uh, I think he's got connections in that part of the world, and uh so it's more convenient for him and I think uh, at the end of the day that's why they do it there.
0: All right, so let's um kind of dive into what's okay. been happening lately, okay uh, we went over all, right. all the different uh rule changes and stuff from last week yeah. unless there's anything overly surprising besides the offside and and uh losing um uh having a delay a game penalty for losing any challenge. did anything else jump out? of significance no, I mean, to you.
1: Well, we're going to have we're going to have the puck and player tracking finally, which is the yeah. start of the postseason. and it's going to change the dynamic of things for teams and for fans uh, because there's going to be a mountain of uh, of data available and the question will be how much of it do we really use or how much of it do we feel is uh, helpful and how much of it uh is as less so, but I do think it's changing times for sure, and uh you know if that can if that flies and it appears that they're ready to go with it and it's going to be part of the game moving forward, it will definitely be a game changer so we'll see over time you know how it uh you know how it impacts the game for all the stakeholders, the fans, the owners, the players, everybody now we've got
0: a few teams that are just been baffling uh, over the last few weeks. Um, let's start with the Islanders. Um, this was a team that I thought was like moving forward, dead, trade deadline. I thought they made the perfect deal. Didn't think that they were Pittsburgh or Washington necessarily, but I thought they had solidified a playoff spot. Now, not so much. You know, you lose in regulation to Ottawa. You lose in overtime to Carolina. Now you're going to be on a, a Western swing through Canada. Um, how surprising is this to you, and what exactly is the problem to you with this New York Islander well,
1: team? I don't know if it's necessarily all that surprising. I mean, they, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard league and, uh, you know, the the difference between winning and losing is incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly slight. And, uh, you know, the honors went on a great run early in the year and everything was going their way. And now uh, it seems like it's flipping the other way. They do miss, I think Adam Pellet quite a bit. He was a plus 20 minute a game player for them and, they only had two of those guys that at the time, earlier in the year, was, uh, was Pelik and Pulak, and uh, so they've had to make some adjustments there. That hurts you. Um, they haven't scored, uh, you know, uh, they play defense-first hockey, so they don't know a team that's already dealing with a small margin of error. So, you know, things have gone against them. The other day against the, uh, against the Hurricanes, for example, I mean, there was a, that goal that was scored in overtime. It could have easily been wiped off but it wasn't, and uh, they ended up losing a point there to a team that they're in the mix with. So we'll see what happens to the Isles over these final 15 games. I mean, they're, uh, I don't think we, I think we know what they are, and when they play the way that uh, the style of game they like to play, they're uh, a team that can give you trouble. But, you know, again, the margin for error with teams that don't score a lot, is very lean.
0: And Pittsburgh, um, they kind of overcame it a little bit after that six-game losing streak, won a couple in a row, but not good against Washington.
1: Yeah, no, not good against Washington, not good against uh, Carolina. I mean, these are two home games. I mean, we're early March, back-to-back home afternoon games at the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got down in the first two minutes to the Capitals uh, on uh, on Saturday afternoon, got behind in the game 4 nothing, ended up losing that one, and then uh, you know, the following day against the Hurricanes, uh, you'd think they'd be revved up and ready to go, and they'd bounce back, and got behind in that game, and then had a terrible third period, and got, got their doors blown off in the third period by Carolina, and you know, the Penguins are, I think it's 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Uh, the only wins are against, against uh, Buffalo and Ottawa. And I know last week Jimmy Rutherford did not come to the uh, general manager's meetings in Florida, and that's not something that the commissioner usually appreciates, because uh, especially, you know, without uh, some significant uh, reason, and, you know, it, it's got to be more than, hey, the team isn't playing well right now. And at the time, they had lost six in a row. And from what I understand, at practice that day, Jimmy was there and uh, Mario Lemieux was there. I believe Mario Lemieux's son was there. Uh, You know, the team president was there. Everybody was kind of in the, uh, you know, in the stands watching practice. And so when those kind of things start happening, there's just an extra layer of uh, pressure, maybe, that goes on. And they've added a number of players. Everybody's healthy now. So they're trying to figure it out. I I get the sense that, uh, you know, because they have Crosby and Malkin, that they will but really it hasn't been a good stretch at all for the Pittsburgh Penguins they were they were uh, right there it looked like ready to take over the the metropolitan division lead and now they've fallen back and they're currently sitting 5 points behind both Washington and Philadelphia so uh, i'll be curious to see you know how things go they have a three game road trip they got the devils tomorrow they got columbus they got carolina and then they and they come back home to play the honors on the second half of the back-to-back so their next four games are really going to be interesting games for them and we'll see if they can get uh, things turned in the right direction
0: now there's so much talk about tanking around sports and i kind of dubbed the nhl the non-tanking league because you take a look at the kings have won five in a row we just discussed Ottawa with a couple of wins against uh, good teams. The Devils ended the St. Louis Blues eight-game winning streak. The Devils now mm-hmm. gotten points in, what, nine of their last ten or or, or, or eight of their last nine. It's just like they're on a really great run here. These are supposed to be lousy teams that you would think in other sports would be looking at ways to finish with a higher pick. doesn't seem to be the case in the NHL. Why do you think that is?
1: Um, well, first of all, if you finish, uh, you know, if you finish last, you don't get a huge benefit from it anymore. I mean, you only have an 18 percent chance as the worst team in the league to get the first pick. Now you could say, okay, that's better than less than 18. It's better than 17. Not as good as 19, I guess. But the uh, the bottom line is that uh, you know there's no huge benefit there. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is you go in these locker rooms, you talk to these players. I mean. Like, let's say, like, for the Devils right now, you have a guy like Dakota Mermit, for example, who's who was in the Arizona Coyotes group and has been, you know, looking for an opportunity to play in the NHL. In Arizona, they have a number of defensemen under contract, so he's he ends up leaving there, he comes to the Devils uh, this season, plays in the minors, gets called up, gets an opportunity to play in the NHL. I mean, he's playing to show that he can play in this league. Right. And so he's not thinking about who's picking where or any of that. He's focused completely on... Let me really play well and play to the best of my abilities and help this team win so that they'll keep me or someone else will think I can play in the league. So, you know, there's a, you know that's where we're at. And then you add into the mix, Don, that, like, you know, the pressure on teams that are, that are supposed to win those games. I mean, you know, like the uh, you know, Rangers and Devils got together the other night. Rangers are pushing close to a spot, coming off a really exciting win over the Capitals. And so the Rangers are kind of viewed as supposed to win that game against the Devils team that had played and beaten the De- the Blues the night before, and uh, you know all of a sudden you find yourself behind in the game, and then you start to press, and the, and you lose, you know, you end up losing the game. So there's been a number of teams. I mean, certainly the LA Kings are doing that out west. They've won five in a row, seven, two, and one in their last ten. I mean, they've beat a lot of teams. We're looking for points. The Devils have done much the same. Uh, Red Wings have won a couple in a row. I mean, it just this is a hard league. So you added yeah. all those factors, Don, and there's just no guarantees. I mean, the, it, it's the the difference between the good teams and the bad teams this year, I mean, you might look at the standings, and Detroit is an anomaly because they've been historically bad, but they just beat Tampa yesterday that's right and, you know it's just not it's just uh this uh, hockey is a crazy game and the games on any given night anybody can win
0: yeah i saw tommy abilene he was actually at the ranger devil game saturday and that's exactly what he said there's just no pressure on some of these teams mm-hmm. that are out of it and there's so much pressure look at the rangers right they think they got the world figured out with sabanajad's performance on thursday but that's just one guy, and it's still a team that can lose against anyone. And they probably go into that game against the Devils, not necessarily taking them lightly, but thinking, all right, we got to win this game. And the Devils just go in, you know, loosey goosey. And that could be the difference, you know, between winning and losing. Let's face it, the Rangers have been hot and they've played pretty well, but they can lose to anybody. <laughs> and they, yeah, they have yeah. lost to anybody this year. They've got a home loss against Buffalo, you know, so that, yeah. that sometimes could be the difference between winning and losing right there.
1: Hey, hey! Look at the Montreal Canadiens, for example. I mean, and I know that uh, you know Nancy's a big Canadiens fan, so I'm sure she's <laughs> looking at the Canadiens, right? So, like, they've lost four games to the Red Wings this year. If they win those four games, and that's not inconceivable, the Red Wings have been really bad this year. If they would have won those four games, yeah. you know that would. I mean, all of a sudden they're they're talking about being in the third spot in the Atlantic Division or right in the mix for that spot. So you know, it's hard. And, uh, you know, night after night, the teams that are, are consistent and able to find ways to win, I mean, they deserve to be in the playoffs. So, you know, uh, that's where we are at this point. But, uh, yeah, some of these teams at the bottom have been causing some problems mm-hmm. right now for the teams that are desperately looking for
0: points. The other story, and we um, had a t- chance to touch on it last week without you because you were at the uh, general manager's meetings, is what's happening yeah. in Philadelphia now um, with nine in a row uh, they're going to take on the Boston Bruins. That's going to be a heck of a game coming up tomorrow. Co- yep. Tomorrow, And is and Krug and Carlo have been ruled out of that game for Boston tomorrow. So this yep. Philadelphia team taking advantage of Washington's struggles defensively, taking advantage of what's happened with Pittsburgh, are the Philadelphia Flyers the best team in the Metro?
1: Well, they're tied for first right now. And, uh, you know, they beat Washington twice in their last two meetings in, in Washington. They, they beat them. Uh, the first time pretty handily and then they beat them uh you know last week and and were able to get another victory so uh you know you can make a case for the flyers right now um you know that's uh, you know that when things are going well for you that's what happens to you, you face a boston bruins team that is going to be without two really good uh you know two really good defensemen so um i got to give them a lot of credit they're getting contributions from a lot of different parts of their lineup Carter Hard has been terrific of late. When, when called upon, Brian Elliott has done the job. Um, you know, some of the younger players are maturing into really, you know, really important pieces of the team. You know, the Proveroffs and the, you know, me has been their leading scorer, and he's just been fun to watch all year. And, you know, quietly, Sean Couturier continues to be one of the very best players in the National Hockey League. And, you know, they are kind of put it all together. And, you know, the other thing, Elaine Vigneault has come in there and uh, he's had success in, in, in a lot of the different places he's been, notably Vancouver and New York with the Rangers. And uh, he's got a very experienced staff with him because he's got Mike O and Michelle Terrian who both have been head coaches on, on, on multiple teams in this league. So uh, you got to give the Philadelphia fires group a lot of credit. And also, you know, uh, Chuck Fletcher went out and did something I thought at the deadline, which was good. He added, you know, Grant and he added Thompson. And those are guys that he could just build out his fourth line with So, you know, those were small pickups, but they were a good fit for uh, what they're doing
0: there. All right. You look at the wild card race and give give credit to Columbus. They've only won three of their last 10, but they did sneak a point out in a game last week where they scored late. Nice win in Vancouver uh, last night for Columbus. So they've got that first wild card. But all the talk about Columbus, Carolina, the Islanders, the Rangers, we got to start talking about Florida. I mean, Florida, they haven't been great 4 4 1 in their last 10. But they have seventy six points, the same as the Rangers. The Rangers the only team in that group that has more RW wins. So Florida could have some tiebreakers. Do you think the Panthers yeah. could be a team that, with all this talk, can find their way into the postseason?
1: Well, I still think the Panthers' best path to the to the playoffs is to is to catch Toronto and yeah. finish third in the Atlantic because there is just less traffic there. It's only one team. If they can get catch Toronto, the three points. Uh, behind the Leafs right now. They have uh, the tiebreaker advantage. Uh, They have a game in hand. So, you know, effectively you win that game. You're one point back. The teams do play again. They have one more meeting this season that's in Toronto coming up later in the month. And so I think that is their best path. But they're one of these teams, Don. I mean, who could figure out the Florida Panthers this year? I mean, uh, I thought that with the additions they made, they would be better. Um, you know, it's been really an up-and-down year for them. I still think they've got a culture issue there uh, that they've got to fix. I think if they miss the playoffs, there's a good chance that there'll be a lot of changes down there, again, for like the 100th year in a row. Right. So, uh, you know, I think that could impact the manager position down there, and it could impact, you know, some of the players that are signed to longer-term deals there. They already moved pro checks at the deadline, and, you know, maybe they'd be looking to move other players out of there as they... Continue to look for ways to to kind of you know build a team that I think again with the better you know really find uh, the needed winning culture uh, down there, which it's you know it's been hard to get because the team is I mean what have they had in the last twenty five years? What one or two playoff appearances? That's I mean right. it's not been very many. So um, you know there's a so I, I guess what I'm saying is Donnie, I'm not I'm not in on the Florida Panthers, and it's really. <laughs> Weird when I feel I feel like they'd almost be better off if Chris Dredger was their goalie than the $10 million guy that they've been another six years. So, uh, we will see for the Panthers. They got a tough assignment tonight. They're in St. Louis. They catch the Blues on the second of a back to back. Maybe they could take advantage, and they're in Dallas. And, uh, you know, their schedule is they don't, they only have the two back to backs all the way through, and they have some favorable games, but you have to win them. And, uh, I just wonder with the Panthers if, you know, when they really need to win, are they going to be able to do it? And and that's where I really just don't have a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, I, I get it, too. And then and, and that's still dangerous, though, for the Rangers and the Islanders yeah. and the Hurricanes that, all right, so you yeah. flip-flop Florida and Toronto. It's still another team that they're going to have to navigate through to be able to get yeah. into the playoffs. That's why you can look at the points back, right? All, all the Rangers yeah. are only, you know, three points back, and, and the Islanders are, are, are tied, but there's still like, so much that has to happen, and there's so many three-point games, right? I mean, that's what killed the Rangers mm-hmm. on Saturday. You're watching Islanders-Hurricanes, and you can live with either three-point one winning games. in regulation, but then the game goes to overtime, and it's like, oh, there's points yeah. galore now. It's, and that's the yeah. tough thing to overcome.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, Allison, at the end of the day, you want to get to the playoffs. I would advise the best way to do it is to win your games. If you win your games yeah. and you take care of your business, you have a great opportunity to get there. right? Uh, if you don't, I mean, look at the Rangers. They charged up the standings when they were winning their games. Now they've lost four out of five, and uh, all of a sudden they've kind I, of uh, leveled out a little bit. So I, if you, if you could have won two of those, more of those games, I mean, you're in a playoff. Right. That's why you got to look win.
0: not only the teams between you, but also you said you got to win your games. Well, you know, good luck, Columbus. You only got 12 left. Right, so right. you you played yeah. 70 games, you know, you, you take a look at teams like Winnipeg, 69 games played, Arizona 69 games played, you know, so yeah. like Vancouver's got a game in hand, Nashville's got a game in hand, so those are the things where, yeah, you might be comfortable in points, but when it, when you have certain situations like we have out east where you've got... Carolina and the Islanders with three games in hand on Columbus, the Rangers with two, the Panthers with two. So that does even help Columbus. You got to win the games you have, but unfortunately, you got far less than some of the teams that are chasing. Uh, and, and
1: Columbus is Columbus schedule. I mean, their next five: Pittsburgh, Nashville, Boston, Washington, Toronto. I mean, that's a that's tough. And then they finish up in their last five games. They've got Tampa twice. Dallas, in Dallas, the Islanders, in Carolina. So, I mean, the games, I, I guess the good news for the Jackets is that, uh, you know, the teams, they need, you know, they're going to get opportunity to beat teams in front of them. But, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning down the stretch would love nothing more than nothing to repay more. the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> with a couple of really crushing defeats.
0: That's right. In that's... the last
1: uh, week and a half of the season. So, the Jackets have the 12 games left. They're fighting uphill because of that. But they also have, I think, when I look at it, that's a pretty tough schedule. That I just uh, read off to you, so yeah. uh, you know we will see if they can get there. But I've written, I've been writing them off for weeks, and they're still there. So that's true. Yes, uh, don't go by me. I guess when it comes to the blue Jackets.
0: <laughs> now, how about Minnesota? They've won six of their last eight, and but one of those losses, a seven-three defeat on Saturday in Los Angeles to the Kings. But now they've climbed up where they're the first wild card.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Minnesota has been lurking because they've had a lot of games in hand, and they've been winning. And you go back, you know, really, from the second half of the season, they've played some pretty good hockey. And if they had, you know, they're getting pretty good goaltending from Al Stalock. And if they would have gotten, you know, any, you know, consistent goaltending through the year, I think they'd be, a, they'd be well into the playoff circumstance. I mean, they would be battling, you know, for that probably a two, three spot in the central division, but the goal setting wasn't there early. I, you know, I give them a lot of credit for, uh, managing to find their way through. Um, they made the coaching change. You know, I don't know if that was, they were playing well when Bruce was there and they've played pretty well since he's left. I don't think, I don't notice a big difference. um, You know, I think the key for Minnesota is really they've they've, they've got a great older group of players. I think they feel like they've been written off all year. In fact, some of the guys have talked about it. They've moved a couple of guys out. Um, I just think that that's a tight group in there, and, and they're determined to kind of stick it to everybody by getting in the playoffs and maybe doing some damage. I mean, they play a similar game to the Blues in that they with some big bodies. They want to get it low in the offensive zone and then just work you below the dot. The problem is they don't have Jordan Bennington. And, uh, you know, Stalock has been good, but, uh, you know, they're not, and they're not quite as deep on defense as the Blues either. So, I mean, you know, the Blues can throw at Pareco and Petrangelo mm-hmm. on the right side, and it's like lights out on that side of the ice. So, um, But I would tell you, I think Minnesota's got an excellent chance to get in the playoffs. Once they're there, it probably depends on who they're playing and, uh, you know, what kind of goal thing they can get from Stalock, because I think he's going to be their guy in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it looks like it, right? So
1: Yeah, I mean Dubnik played last night, he struggled and he talked about his struggles, but he was just happy to contribute and they ended up finding a way to win that game in Anaheim. So it seems like Staylock is the guy right now, but you know, stranger things have happened in, in, in hockey for sure, Donnie. We've seen guys, you know, have really tough seasons and then they get to the postseason if they find their way in, it's a great opportunity to start over. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that makes a difference. So uh I think Minnesota I I get the sense Minnesota's gonna get there, but you know, that Western Conference, we talked about it all year. It's been a little crazy.
0: Yeah, we talk uh, next Monday. Everything can be completely different. That's, uh, exactly. Things can change yeah. in a day, never mind a week. You ready for some tweets? Yeah, let's go. All right, Troy asks, if we get Boston-Tampa in the playoffs, will that be the most compelling matchup this year?
1: Well, I mean, if we get St. Louis-Dallas again in the second round, yeah. I mean, they went seven games in double overtime last year uh before st louis was able to prevail so you know or if you get colorado in st louis if that were to be the case That'd I mean, be that would too. be a hell of a matchup so yeah i mean i i think i think there'd be i mean the tampa boston it's in the east tampa has been depending upon how they both advance mm. tampa has been i mean boston went to the cup final last year they're looking to kind of get over that hump and win again and the tampa bay lightning uh you know we know their story right so you know, that would probably get a lot of attention. It would be a great series. And, I mean, they had a heck of a game Saturday night, and the Tampa Bay Lightning were willing to mix it up physically. And I was – it kind of was a throwback to me, Donnie, because I remember, you know, that Islander team that finally broke through in 1980 and went on that long run. Is they had they added some little jagged pieces to their lineups, a little bit of toughness, a little bit of edgy guys to the lineup when you think about, like, Dwayne Sutter and – Uh, you know, Gordy Lane, I guess this is for the older hockey fans that would remember those names. But, you know, they they got a little bit, uh, like I said, harder to play against and a little bit more physical. And think about what Tampa's done this year. They've added Patrick Maroon, who has a cup experience last year, is a big, physical, below-the-dot, tough character. He just got mixing it up the other night with uh, Zdeno Chara. And even though that... Jack Edwards thought that Zunano uh, Char was going to introduce Pat Maroon to the afterlife. Yeah, that was which something, it was wasn't it? Unbelievable. Uh, it ended up that, that uh, Maroon ended up laying on top of Char. So, I mean, you know, crazy. That was just kind of a, a crazy way to put it, I guess. But, they, you know, they've added Blake Coleman. They've added Barkley Goodrose. They've added a little bit more edgy players to their, their group and – you know, if those two teams would meet in the, in the second round, uh, you know, that would be a hell
0: of a series. There's no question about it. Yeah, and that's uh, that's every year we have. It's a shame those two teams have to meet in the second round. That would obviously be this year's version uh, of Boston yeah, and of Tampa. Um, yeah. Irene brings up a great point. Hi, Don and EJ. All the women did a great job broadcasting this weekend, and this felt like a great step forward. Do you think in the future more women will have regular roles in broadcasting? I don't see why not with the talent we saw over the weekend.
1: Yeah, that's a it's a good question, Irene. And I would tell you, as someone who works with one of the really one of the best women uh, broadcasters in the business, and Jackie Redmond, who does a great job, uh, you know, hosting NHL Live or NHL Now with me. I mean, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of terrific women in the business right now who do great work, and you see them, Don. You travel around the league, I. You know, I do the I do the same. I stay here, but we interview a lot of the, the different reporters and different women covering this game all the time. So it was a it was a unique situation uh, that took place in honor of uh, you know, inter, I guess uh, International Women's Day. And like I said, we already have a lot of great women that are covering this game, and I think there's always room for more. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity, certainly for the for the individuals who got to call play by play. I think it was Leah Hextall did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who you have on your show every week. And, uh, you know, I for, I'm forgetting the, the woman's name who did it for NBCSN. But I mean, that's to me, the biggest opportunity is because like we have had women who do color. Now we've had AJ Malesco does a terrific job. And we have uh, Kendall Coyne has been done, has done some work and Jen Botterill. And in Canada, we've had, uh, you know, uh, Cassie Campbell Pascoe for many years doing it. And, you know, so we've seen that side of it. We've obviously seen the, the studio hosts and the sideline reporters, but we really haven't seen anybody doing play-by-play. So that was, and that's, as you know, because you do it, it's it's not easy. And, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for those women who got to do it uh, yesterday.
0: Yeah, we were, I was so happy for Leah. She's on every Wednesday, so yeah. we're going to have her on in a couple of days. And she was just so happy to get a chance to do it. So I watched a yeah, lot of that game. It was a great game, to too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for her.
0: Yeah, the the Vegas um the Vegas uh, Calgary, Calgary game yeah. was good. Came down uh, to the last moment. Did a great job and everybody over at NBC Sports Net too. And we should also realize that some of them might have been in roles they had never been in before, but these are all working people in the NHL. It was just the first time collectively that they've all worked the same game together, meaning that the, all all the producers, directors, behind the scenes, all women, first time they've all worked together for the first time, but they all have been in the business a long time. And finally, you know, getting the opportunity on a grand stage like that up in Canada, you know, the game that Leah did, that's their hometown hockey game. That's their nationally televised game uh, in Canada. So it's not like mm-hmm. that they were given some, you know, uh, regional contest. Both, both were broadcasted live across the country and that's a great opportunity. I yeah. think everybody did a tremendous job. So that's a good job out of Irene and, uh, to and bring that up. And I would
1: also add Kate Scott is the woman that did the play by play. On NBCSN, uh, alongside she was working on the on the broadcast with AJ Molesco and Kendall Coyne, Schofield. So, or Schofield. So, I wanted to acknowledge her as well because uh, you know that's I mean that's a big big opportunity for those women to be able to call play by play because we just haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, good for them. All right, um, Shiny Wizard Kevin says, "What's up, boys?" Corey Schneider has been pretty impressive since his return for the Devils lineup with Blackwood still the clear starter, where do you see the goalie situation headed in New Jersey? Both have actually played you know, pretty well. I don't know if it's to Tommy Abilene's point that there's been no pressure on these guys, but goaltending has not been an issue lately in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been. Now, Blackwood has been really good for, for a stretch, and so much so that I think he deserves some kind of at least consideration in the call to race. I mean, I don't know if he's he's going to get uh, get there to that top three, but I think people should actually think about, the work he's done this year, he's been terrific for the Devils, and uh, you know he's been a big part of why they've played well over the last couple of months. As for Corey Schneider, I mean, he's a wonderful guy, so I am really thrilled for him that he's gotten an opportunity to come back and play, and he's had some good performances, so that's terrific. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I think uh, the Devils would probably be, probably be best suited to buy him out, Mm -hmm. and start fresh and and because, like, Corey's had a number of injuries and, you know, the the devil's moving forward. You know, they'll probably make some moves in the offseason. They've played well in the second half. As you know, knowing me for a long time, I'm never a big believer in putting too much stock into teams playing well after they've been eliminated in, like, November Yeah, because things change in the way teams approach them um, and everything starts fresh again the next year. But it would be hard for me if, as a you know, if I'm Tommy Fitz or if I'm anybody within that group to, to move forward and to trust that Corey is going to be both healthy and kind of found his, you know, rediscovered his game. So I'd be more probably along those lines of someone who would say, okay, we can't trade him, which is unlikely, even though he's, you know, he has played better of late, which is good because, you know, he has a little bit more value than he had just with the contract. You know, I think what I would want to do is buy him out and be able to go and, and, and get somebody that I that I would believe is going to be more healthy and more consistent. But all that said, I think Corey Schneider is a terrific person. He has handled all this over the last couple of years with uh, a lot of a lot of grace. It's not easy to do and uh, you know, I give him uh I give him a lot of credit and, and we'll just see how it plays out over the next uh Several weeks and, uh, you know, what happens in the off
0: season. All right, final one here because we're up against it. All Sal right. had a bunch okay. of tweets, but I wanted to narrow down the best one. Okay. And he says, um, always hated the rule that a period and especially a game can end with a power play still active. When will the NHL finally make a rule that allows a power play to conclude before period or game is over or at least give a coach's option?
1: Well, I mean, that has never been part of the NHL. It wasn't even an old rule that they, you know, changed, right? It's, it's never been part of it. And, right. you know, I think there's a number of things that would probably play into that in terms of like, well, uh, you know, would, would you be agreeable in doing that as far as a league or as a uh, union to have that extra time? And then, like, you know, you're killing a penalty. What's to stop a team from taking a penalty and trying to kill it? You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, another penalty from occurring. And then you go on, you know, you could go on and on. So, you know, I I haven't really ever thought of that before. It is probably frustrating when a team takes a penalty with a few seconds left. You're not able to uh, take advantage of that. But I I don't, I have never heard anybody with an appetite to make that kind of change. Well, the
0: problem with it is you're now asking a game to be longer than it was designated to be played. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, so you're adding time that doesn't really exist. Now, I see the point yeah. of, oh, there's three seconds cool. left. McDavid's, I'm just going to drag McDavid down because I, I don't want him to score and just get yeah. to the shootout. Yeah. But here's, yeah. but you make a great point. I'm down a goal. There's 30 seconds yeah. left. I'm going to tackle somebody because now I got a chance to add more time to the game to try to come back and yeah. maybe I can score shorthanded. So the only thing uh, that I would like to see is that in overtime, if I yeah. commit a penalty, that is with less than two minutes to go in the overtime, that player is ineligible for the shootout.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair.
0: I mean, it's not I exciting. Think, and, I've heard,
1: and, I've <laughs> heard, and I've actually heard that before, and I know on, you know, at youth hockey level, we had that situation happen to our U15 team this year when one of our players was ineligible for the shootout. So, uh, you know, I mean, that that makes more sense. I mean, what I think what he's, looking for is like what they do in the NFL when the defensive team commits a penalty on the final play uh, they have an untimed down right? Right. the NFL is much different than hockey so I mean I, yeah. um, I just don't see it as something that works in hockey but I do understand the, uh, where that question comes but, from and what the thinking is I just don't think it's going to change but
0: think about what you said there an untimed down so they're not extending the time in the game they're just having a yeah. play where they're not timing it you can't do that in the NHL how do you have a play that's not timed now, yeah, I guess, exactly. I guess the argument would be is that, well then the only thing that we be timed would be the penalty like the game is over but the, there's a minute and a half they get to play I I it, uh, no
1: maybe I, you have I, an untimed maybe you have an untimed end, like an untimed uh face off in the offensive zone and as soon as the puck is cleared the game is over.
0: Well,
1: yeah. That will be like a play, right? So like if you get if you win the draw and set up a play, you have an opportunity to score and if you can keep the puck in you can keep that play alive until the puck is cleared uh, out of the zone. Or this is but even dr- that to me is a little bit. It would be right. a little much. This is
0: dramatic. Any penalty with less than two minutes to play becomes a penalty shot.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I, think lot. I, I, I just think that's a lot. Well, uh, you know, all that does the is open. If guy gets a questionable hooking call, well, that's the thing. somebody has a penalty shot. Well, yeah, then so. the
0: onus would be obviously on the officials to loosen things yeah. up in the final two minutes, which actually can benefit the sport as well, where you're going to see a lot more action in the final two minutes because nobody's going to breathe on anybody wrong because they don't want that to happen. The point is, I think what Sal did, though, is open up dialogue. I think that's all we need oh, yeah. to do. I mean, <laughs> our country should, should do this more. Two people that disagree disagreed with the premise but actually spoke for three minutes about it intellectually yeah. and fun conversational and we understood
1: what is it where he's coming from <laughs> right. with it i mean you know open-mindedness yeah, open. it really is just an amazing gift yeah i mean you know you have to be willing to see if it's, you, know, you have to be willing to see the thoughts of others give them some kind of you know, thought and acknowledgement, and then make, uh, you know, kind of a call from there. Now, if the league were to do it, would I be like, this is going to kill hockey? No, not at all. But, like, I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, but this was fun, as usual. Nice to have you back. It
1: always is. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back with you. All right, buddy. uh, We'll see how things go down the stretch here.
0: All right, we'll talk to you next week. You got it. All right, that's the great E.J. Raddick. You want more 4 o'clock Eastern time every day, Monday through Friday, NHL Network. Games tonight, Capitals and the Sabres from Buffalo at 7 o'clock. You heard the stat uh, one of the worst defensive teams recently, the Washington Capitals. They want to try to make sure they tighten that up against a Buffalo team that I'm not sure is going to test that. Uh, at 8 o'clock, the Coyotes and the Jets for Winnipeg. Very important game In the Western Conference for wild card positioning, Panthers and the St. Louis Blues. Panthers creeping up the standings, but they got to go to St. Louis Blues. Of course, playing a second of back to backs, and also three games in four nights. So, see if the Panthers can't take advantage of that. Golden Knights and the Oilers, a lot on the line, including the division there. Avalanche and the Kings. The Kings have won five in a row, so the Avalanche can't afford to look past them. All right, Wednesday, Leah Hextall is going to be on. We got to congratulate her on the tremendous job she did last night in Calgary for the Vegas. Um, Calgary game, and that was a great job by her and all the women that, it, that participated in International Women's Day. Great job by NBC Sportsnet and Sportsnet to make all of that happen. And the play-by-play by Kate Scott and, of course, Leah Hextall in both games because here in the States and NBC Sportsnet, it was the Blues and the Blackhawks. And both games were excellent. And both uh, women did a great job, including everybody else involved uh, in the broadcast. So more of that coming up on Wednesday. More important games to recap as well. Back with you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on The Michael K. Show weekdays
1: from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.